0: You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.
1: Today's reading is from James chapter 3. That's on page 1214 uh, on your Bibles. And it should also come up on the screen as I read. James chapter 3. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Thank you, Gavin. Okay, Dan? I just pray for Dan. Gracious
0: God and Father, we thank you for your word. We've heard a lot already and things... Planted into our minds, things that perhaps we still carry there, thinking about things we've seen as well as heard. But we come now to focus down onto your word. And it's here for our benefit, for our blessing. For us to know, as Dan reminded us earlier, what the gift of salvation is, real life. And as Dan speaks to us now then from this chapter, we pray that you take his words... And with your help of your Holy Spirit, really touch our lives with it this morning. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Thank you, Ross. Well, I almost don't feel qualified to get up after that reading. Uh, it itself is a powerful, powerful testimony, and I feel like I'm doing an injustice to the Word of God uh, because it's so practical, isn't it? The Book of James. I'm not. I'm not sure if you've been going through the Book of James, and this is where we've landed. But um, I don't know if you're if you're like me, but I love practical Christianity. Uh, Theology is great, but to hear the Word of God being so so practical, which is the Book of James through and through, uh, is what we love to hear. And so, as we think about what James has to say in this passage of Scripture, uh, and throughout the whole book of James, in fact, he's actually targeting, isn't he, the sins that these <laughs> these issues that are going on in the Christian church uh, that very often we don't like to address or we don't even think about too often. We don't. We basically categorize sin, don't we? We put, uh, you know, murder, adultery. Um, all these kind of big sins, you know, high up, and then and then the lesser sins, the, the, the sins that maybe not even so much sins. That's not me, is it? Doing anything here? Okay. All right. Um, we don't like to address those because basically uh, they they feel they feel like they hurt. It hurts to do that that kind of inner uh, searching of as the searchlight of scripture. Uh, shines into our hearts. And as he read that passage, uh, I wonder what was jumping out at you. Uh, I know for me, it's very easy to sit in church, isn't it, to say the right things and to sing the right things, uh, and then to leave church and to be saying completely different things with our mouths. One way of speaking in church and another way of speaking at home, at work, out of the church context. So, We want to be fruitful, growing Christians. We want to be people responding to the word of God. So we need to look at this passage of scripture uh, and and allow the Holy Spirit to do some heart surgery on each one of us. Because we're all guilty. There's not one of us here who is not guilty of misusing our tongues in some way. Think about this last week. What has come out? And please don't put your hands up. (laughs) Uh, But think about what has come out of your mouth. And I'm thinking about what's come out of my mouth. And how does it resonate with what James chapter 3 is saying to you today? If you're like me, then you've probably been impatient at some point. If you're like me, you have probably said something uh, that was undermining. You have probably complained of some circumstance this week, we're all guilty, aren't we? And the Bible has to say a lot about the use of our tongues. Why? Because it's uh, our our tongue is a well-oiled sinning machine, isn't it? It, it slips out so easily. What we say, and the sins out there uh, that, in a sense, take a lot of effort. You know, if you want to get revenge on somebody, uh, it takes some planning, doesn't it? Uh, it takes some action. But the sins of the tongue. They, they, they come out so easily. Uh, many times we don't even have to think about the things that we say and we've already hurt somebody or we've judged somebody in the things that we have said. Uh, the book of Proverbs, uh, I love to go through a proverb, uh, a chapter of Proverbs every day throughout the month. You've got 31, so uh, you can read through the book of Proverbs 12 times in a year. Great, uh, a great, great book. Um, thing to do, I would, I would heartily recommend that. Book of Proverbs has about 60 warnings of the use of the tongue, and I've just pulled three random ones out here. Proverbs fifteen one says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How true is that? 17.9 uh, says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who, separate, uh, who repeats a matter separates close friends. Uh, and then the third one is Proverbs 18.21. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Don't know if you love to talk here or not, but <clears throat> if you are a talker, um, then you have to be extra careful, I think. Uh, reading a book by a guy called Jerry Bridges, he's, he's written a book called Respectable Sins. Anyone here read that? Yeah? It's a challenging book uh, because he, he breaks a... It follows a Christ um, who are opposed kind of more heinous sins, you know, the ones I mentioned, adultery, violence, whatever, um, but have a very flippant attitude to the way we use our tongues. And, you know, he, he has chapters dedicated to things like lying, slander, critical speech, harsh words, insults, sarcasm, and ridicule. Okay? And... He doesn't even mention things like inappropriate language, gossip, coarse joking, and complaining. A lot of different categories of uh, the misuse of our tongues. Uh, But we we might not like to admit it, but we have that hierarchical approach to sin, don't we? Uh, And the sins of the tongue we kind of put as lesser. The lesser of the evils in our lives. And unfortunately, it's become so normalized that that we, we, we say these things to each other uh, and to our spouses and to our children, even almost without thinking. And so we really need the help of the Holy Spirit today uh, to do some heart surgery, to weed out that particular blight in our lives and come to repentance and start to change the way we speak. So James chapter 3 really needs no unpacking. It's very, very obvious. Uh, we're going to touch on a few points. Firstly, Bible teachers... Uh, are going to be judged more strictly is point number one. So if you are a Bible teacher or you have responsibility in, in teaching in some form, teaching God's word, if you're the the person at home teaching your kids, then you and myself will be judged more strictly. Why? Because uh, it goes with the job, the, with the territory, doesn't it? If you're a policeman and you violate, God's, uh, you violate the law, then you'll be judged more strictly. Uh, if you're a president and... Uh, and you violate the constitution, you will be judged more harshly. It goes with the territory, doesn't it? The more responsibility you have, the more it will be used against you when you disobey that position. It's, it's a huge responsibility and uh, one that any Bible teacher should not take lightly. I'm not trying to dissuade you if you are thinking about, you know, maybe um, becoming a Bible teacher, but think about the, the graveness of it. Firstly, preaching God's word accurately. Uh, to, especially today in our society where um, we, we're trying to conform more and more to how, how the world around us think. It's very easy isn't it, to get off tangent and not preach God's word accurately, but to preach what people want to hear. Right? That's not the job of a Bible teacher. They are to preach God's word accurately uh, and to nurture and to correct and rebuke if, if necessary. Uh, and also... Uh, to model what they're teaching. okay, It's very easy, isn't it, to, to teach one thing and to live another way, to be a hypocrite, but to model what, what we are teaching, absolutely uh, essential. And of course, as a Bible teacher, it's easy to get a following, especially if you're a very good Bible teacher and uh, you, you, know, you have a lot of, a lot of um, followers, as it were, on Instagram, uh, social media. Uh, to have this celebrity kind of status, and that can easily go to your head and become very proud uh, so what is the reason for you teaching God's word? Is it to make a name for yourself? Remembering that all the work of teaching will go through the fire. If you look at um, 1 Corinthians 3 verses 10 to 15, that whole passage, the Apostle Paul there is talking about teaching God's word accurately and that it will be tried by fire on a coming day those who who uh, build on the foundation of Christ using uh, the gospel message as their foundation teaching accurately and well it will survive the fire okay but those who elevate themselves who use god's word um, as a means for for wealth and power uh, it will go up in flames all right so so that's point 1 that Bible teachers will be judged more strictly. Point two is that spiritual maturity is defined in part by the way you speak. So think about this. Okay, what in your mind uh, defines a mature Christian? Okay, is it how much they know of God's word? Uh, Or is it how much they walk with Jesus and live out the gospel? Uh, we we have a, a bit of a skewed idea, don't we, of what maturity looks like? And uh, so, as you as you think about um, the maturity scale, often we'll think of those people who don't know very much, or maybe they don't have the same amount of gifting. Um, maybe they're not so eloquent in in the way they uh, can share God's word, or maybe they're not so evangelistic. So maybe they're not so um, mature in that their... But actually, the Book of James reminds us that maturity. Uh, can be shown by the way we speak Okay. I want to ask you this what's your response to these three things to stress okay, think of a stressful situation maybe you were in this last week anger when you got angry or when you were last in pain Okay, what was your response verbally and then put yourself on the, the spiritual maturity scale where are you at when things go wrong with your plans, what is your response? What's your verbal response? Uh, when somebody cuts in front of you in your car, uh, what's your response? What's your verbal response to that? What about when your kid spills coffee on your new laptop? What's your, what's your response to that? Well, the tongue is a fire. Uh, James pointed out very, very clearly to us and... Uh, and we all know I don't need to spell it out to you what damage fire does we actually live in um, south wales area and we do live near some moorland and every year the kids set the moors on fire and uh, it always gets a little bit a bit scary looking out the window seeing the, the fires getting close but i was looking at some uh, statistics of fires and one of the the world's biggest fires happened in 2020 should I just keep going? Okay. I, I, it's not, I'm not doing it's all
1: anything. A stranger. Okay. Alright. Okay, that's good to
0: know. Not going to just creep up on me and like a ninja and do something to me. Alright. Um, th- there was a huge wildfire in Australia it, back in 2020. And listen to this: it burned 42 million acres. That's twice the size of Scotland. That's how much land was burned. And it killed. It killed roughly 3 billion animals, including 61,000 koalas. That's really sad, isn't it? But isn't that what happens in our churches, statistically, and on the mission field? Like, as a missionary living overseas, I've seen firsthand what the, the sins of the tongue do to a missionary team, and how it can fracture and destroy unity. Uh, we, My wife and I have helped... Other missionary teams going through issues uh, where interpersonal relationships have driven a wedge between. Uh, sorry, I'm getting really distracted here. Uh, yeah, um, dri- driven a wedge between the 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 bele- the the missionaries in the team, and sadly, a statistic even from the mission field says that uh, the highest. Rated factors in the decision for missionaries to t- return to their passport country were these reasons. Lack of missionary care, lack of integrity on the team, team conflict, and confusion over the role of, on the team. Uh, interpersonal conflict is a major reason why teams break up and missionaries return to their countries They're preventable reasons. And I'm not even going to get into church statistics, how many church splits there are uh, in a single year. But we we see the devastation that the tongue causes, don't we? Within our own congregations as well. I'm sure um, you guys aren't in the perfect church, right? I'm sure there are issues going on in our midst that I don't know about. Preventable reasons, church splits, people who quit a role because of personality clashes that they have, uh, and misunderstandings. Maybe it's because we don't affirm each other. We don't take time to encourage one another and speak words uh, that will encourage our brothers and sisters. And the thing is, when we do lose it and we do say those things that we wish we hadn't said, we can't take those words back, can we? I, I still remember as a kid... Uh, and I was certainly not the most well-behaved child. I remember hanging out of the minibus window that was picking all the Sunday school kids up. Uh, It was pretty dangerous, and it was, like, sitting right on the windowsill. Oh, I've got a second mic. Thank you. Driver, getting so frustrated with me uh, that he grabbed hold of me and he, he used some really harsh words with me, and that stuck with me even since I was a, a young child. We can't take it back, can we? We can't take those words back. And sadly, James tells us uh, in this passage as well that no one can tame the tongue. I hate that in a sense. We like to control our environments, don't we? You know, if if we're maybe getting overweight, we like the fact that we can do some some uh, some training, get the weight off. We can control our environment. We can we control uh, the animals around us. Perhaps you know we can tame things. We can tame nature, um, but we can't control and tame our tongues. It's indicting, isn't it? Um, I I looked at animals that have been tamed, and interestingly, there's a, a temple in. Uh, In Bangkok, in Thailand, it's a tiger temple. You can go pay to go and visit tigers and get first-hand experience with having them lay on your lap. I looked at the photos and thought, these guys are nuts to do that. These are full-grown tigers. One swat from the paw is going to kill you, right? And there they are, paying to have a tiger lay its head on your lap. Apparently, there's been no record of accidents so far, but they do ask you to sign a disclaimer. <laughs> All right. Unlike those tigers that have been tamed, our tongues can't be tamed. There's no five-step plan to the taming of the tongue. Sure, there's, there's, uh, there's things we can put into effect, but ultimately, we are going to need the help of the Spirit of God, aren't we, to, to tame our tongues and to get us in line with God's word. Willpower is not sufficient. James also tells us to take a look at nature, um, take a lesson from nature. Fig trees were created to what? To produce figs, right? That was That is their role. God created them for that reason. Our mouths were created to glorify God. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 6 verse 13. He says, do not let Any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. What a challenge that is, isn't it? And that word instrument can also be translated weapon. Because we can use our bodies as weapons, can't we? we? can use our tongue as a weapon, but we can also use them as a weapon of righteousness. So let's identify those sins of our own tongue. Let's diagnose what the problem is today with each one of us, because all of us are going to have issues. So what Jesus had to say in Luke 6, verse 45 about our tongues, he says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. It's not just a tongue issue, it's a heart issue. That's where it stems from. So what's inside will come out. When you're stressed, when you're angry, when you're in pain, it will come out. It's easy to justify the sins of our tongue as well, isn't it? I was tired. I've had a hard day. We justify it, but we need to pray today for conviction and then repent and yield to the Holy Spirit to help us in this area that we all struggle with. And let's let Ephesians 4 verse 29 be our guiding principle. This is what Paul wrote. Let everything, and and I've capitalized everything, you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. If that was the guiding principle of everyone in this room today, imagine how much our church would be flourishing. Our relationships would be blossoming, wouldn't they? Wouldn't we all feel affirmed, like we're all loved, we're all wanted, we're all accepted? We all have a role. Well, that is our role today. It's to let everything we say be good and helpful. Everything. Sometimes we're going to need that moment to pray before we say something. So that Lord, let my words be an encouragement to those who hear them. We need, if you're into tattoos, that's the tattoo you need today. And Colossians four verse six, Paul says this: Let your conversation be always comes up again, full of what? Full of grace. What's grace? Well, grace is it's undeserved favor, isn't it? It's 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 undeserved kindness let your conversation always be full of grace and I love this seasoned with salt right seasoned with salt you know it's like when you have something bland don't you maybe popcorn you know and you've got no no flavoring on there it's just the bland popcorn you need something on there don't you and our speech has got to be seasoned with salt that sprinkling of kindness um, of gentleness of appreciating somebody why? so that You may know how to answer everyone. My wife came up; she didn't come up with this, but she um, we she wrote this on uh, the kids' blackboard when we were in Papua New Guinea, and it's always stuck with me. The acronym THINK. Maybe some of you homeschoolers have used that out there for your kids, but I think we all need to write this as well um, somewhere on our desktop. Um, it, It stands for: Is what I'm saying true? Is what I'm saying helpful? is what I'm saying inspiring, is what I'm saying necessary, is what I'm saying kind. Okay. So is it true? Helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? We all need to go home and write that acronym down. Think about that. Now, however, sometimes my kids might say, yeah, but what I'm saying is true. Yeah, but it's not kind. So don't say it. Okay. And I'm sure I've done the same many times. So let's just think about that for a minute. Again, think about the testimony and the witness our church will have if we speak like that to each other. I was thinking about this, using our tongues for the glory of God. Um, As James points out in this passage of scripture, we use our tongues to glorify God and praise him. uh, and, And then with our same tongue, we curse people who are made in the image of God. That's a powerful challenge, isn't it? I was thinking about this as well. Think of the blessing it is that we can actually praise our Lord and Father. Think about that. I don't know if you uh, enjoy coming to church or if you get up on Sunday morning and you think, oh, it's church again. I'm not going to ask for hands up again. Don't worry about that. But sometimes we can, we can come to church with a bad attitude. I've done it. Critical spirit. Don't enjoy the worship. The, the preacher was terrible. Uh, the Sunday school... They didn't do a whole lot of good either. And we can get very critical, can't we? Because we expect everything to be a certain way and it doesn't meet our expectations. Fault finding and having that critical spirit. I want to remind you today, though, how blessed we are that we can meet together in freedom, that we can hear God's word taught uh, in our own language, that we have churches in abundance in our land where we can hear truth. And nobody's forbidding us, right? How blessed are we? We're incredibly blessed, aren't we? So I have some very sad but true facts here about people around the world. Uh, And and these rock my world. I hope they do with you. And I hope they they get you praying as well. There are roughly 17,000 people groups in the world. And 7,000 of those are considered unreached today. Three thousand of those are what we call unengaged, unreached people groups. That means they ha- they have no viable Christian witness where they live in their entire people group. There are no churches, there are no Bibles, there are no Christians in which to pass the message of the gospel on. There there is no literature. They have no radio programs in their language. And listen to this too. Um, We've got the thumb people, the tribals, okay, like the ones that we're trying to reach in PNG. There's only one missionary for every 60,000 of those in the world. The Hindu people, only one missionary for every 179,000 of those. Muslims, only one missionary for every 405,000 Muslim people. And the Buddhists, one for every 260,000 people. Now, I know it's easy just to get lost in the statistics, isn't it? But I don't know how big, like hidden more areas or Man- Manchester is what? Roughly half a million people, I would imagine. But think about that. If you are the only Christian in, that, in, in the whole of Manchester, how big that mission field is and how many people do not praise our Lord and Father. Do not use their tongues. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. They've never heard of him. Staggeringly as well, uh, there are roughly 7 million churches around the globe, which means there are roughly 1,000 congregations for every unreached people group. Now, I know you can certainly remove some of those nominal Christianity But there are enough Christians to get the job done and still great swathes of people who are waiting to hear. So my question is this, how are those people ever going to call God their Lord and Father? How are they ever going to sing his praises like you and I can so freely? It's going to take people going, isn't it? And so whose job is it anyway? (laughs) Whose job is it? Whose job is the Great Commission? Psalm 96 verse 3 says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. It's the job of the church, isn't it? If you're a Christian today, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, it's your job and it's my job to get that job done. We're so privileged. I remember standing uh, in line for the AstraZeneca jab, uh, coronavirus jab in Papua New Guinea. Now, living in Papua New Guinea, here, seeing on the news uh, that it was, the pandemic was spreading around the globe, it hadn't quite reached PNG yet, and we were all wondering what to do, because there were no ventilators in, in Papua New Guinea, healthcare systems quite poor, and we didn't have the vaccine. So we're all kind of thinking, oh, what are we going to do? All the Americans left, they all got evacuated. Um, the Brits, we all got left behind. Uh, and, and the... Uh, the, the, the embassy or the consulate, we didn't have an embassy, the consulate were like, yeah, if you can get a flight home, then great. But at that point, all the, the, the flights were, were, were cancelled as well. But they got vaccines there, and um, NGOs, uh, missionaries who were working with people groups, we were the first ones to receive the vaccine. And it just felt unfair, standing in line, receiving a vaccine, knowing there were millions of Papua New Guineans who weren't going to get it. It's very similar how I feel um, and I'm sure God does about the gospel message that so many people are still waiting so many people are dying without ever hearing so what's it going to take well it's going to take sacrifice isn't it for people to call God their Lord and Father to praise him people in those tribes tongues and nations it's going to take crossing boundaries it's going to take language learning and culture learning it's going to take being incarnational, being like Christ, how he came to this world, being in a similar, uh, living a similar life in in another context. It's going to take teaching and discipleship. So let's thank God today for the fact that you and I can call him our Lord and Father. And for the fact that you and I are recipients of the efforts of missionaries from centuries ago who came to our shores. Of of people, Bible translators, who translated the Bible into meaningful words for us today that we have in our own language. And that we are recipients of God's grace through pastors and evangelists who have taught us the word of God. And have given us that knowledge now that we can call God our Lord and Father. So I want to leave you with four practical steps here as I close, uh, that we can all do. How can we get involved in this great task? Not just in the way that we use our tongues, as it it were, uh, in our churches, but further afield, beyond our boundaries. Well, we can pray. We can use our tongues to pray. And that's the first thing that we're called to. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Some of us are called to leverage our careers for the glory of God. We can use our money giving sacrificially so that so that the gospel is going to be spread throughout those regions. And some of us are called to leave. Ask yourself that question: uh, Are you called to stay? Are you called to stay? We've all received a calling. It's called the Great Commission. Secondly, those who are uh, those who send are to be as committed as those who go. All right, be as committed as those who go. It, it, it may mean giving more sacrificially it may mean spending more time in prayer it may mean raising the profile of of missionaries serving it may mean being an advocate out there thirdly be sent to the people in your life right now god has put you in a place for a purpose and you need to be committed to that it's easy isn't it to think oh i just i want to i want out of my circumstance and my situation maybe go into the mission field that sounds great I, i wouldn't have to go to work every day um Maybe it may be a much easier life. But God has called you to be a, a missionary to the place where you are at right now. That's where he wants to use you. So use that as well. And then fourthly and lastly, consider crossing a boundary. It's going to take people who are, who are going to have to go. You're not all called to stay. All right. So in conclusion, let's use our tongues for good, not just when we're in church, um, but all the time. Let's consider ways to encourage someone today. And we need to say, thank you, I love you, and I'm sorry a whole lot more, don't we? Let's use our tongues to not only give our Lord and Father praise, but to bring others into that same relationship that we enjoy so that they can also praise his name. Amen. You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more
1: about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.